Socrates said, the unaware life is not worth living. It's sad, but most people don't live aware lives. They live mechanical lives with mechanical thoughts that are mostly not their own. Mechanical emotions, mechanical actions, mechanical reactions. Here, I'll prove it to you. <clears throat> when someone gives you a compliment, you feel good. I press a button, you feel good. I press another button, you feel bad. We're all like little monkeys. We all carry a list around and we tell ourselves we must live up to this list. Tall, dark, handsome. I'm in love. You're not in love. Anytime you're in love, you're being a fool. Sit down and watch what's happening to you. You're running away from yourself. You want to escape. We're so mechanical, so controlled. We write books about being controlled and how wonderful it is to be controlled and how necessary it is that people tell you that you're okay. Then you'll have a good feeling about yourself. You've built a cage for yourself. Do you like being in prison? Do you like being controlled? If you ever let yourself feel good when people tell you that you're okay, you're setting yourself up for the time when they tell you you're not okay. As long as you live to fulfill other people's expectations, you better watch out. You better watch out what you wear, how you comb your hair, whether your shoes are shined, whether you live up to every expectation. Do you call that human? When you observe yourself, you're neither okay nor not okay. You may fit the current mood or trend or fashion, but that doesn't mean you're okay. Does your okayness depend on what people think of you? You're not okay and you're not not okay. You're you. Stop all the okay stuff and the not okay stuff. Stop all the judgments and simply observe. Watch. Psychology and spirituality will not solve your problems. They exchange your problems for other problems. You had a problem, now you change it for another one. It's always going to be that way until you solve the problem called you. Who are you? The great masters tell us that the most important question in the world is, who am I? Or rather, what is I? What is this thing I call I? What is this thing I call self? You mean to say you understand astronomy and black holes and quasars and computer science and you don't know who you are? Who is the person doing the understanding? find that out first. That's the foundation of everything. You think you're free, but there probably isn't a gesture, a thought, an emotion, an attitude, a belief that isn't coming from someone else and you don't know it. You feel pretty strongly about certain things and you think it's uh, you who are feeling strongly about them. But are you really? It's going to take a lot of awareness for you to understand that perhaps this thing you call I 
is simply a conglomeration of your past experiences, of your conditioning, and your programming. As you begin to awaken, you will experience a great deal of pain. It's painful to see your illusions being shattered. Everything that you thought you had built up crumbles, and that's painful. That's what repentance is all about. That's what waking up is all about. Be aware of your presence. Say to yourself, I am in this room. As if you were outside yourself, looking at yourself. If you find yourself condemning yourself or approving yourself, don't stop the condemnation. Don't stop the judgment or approval. Just watch it. I am condemning me. I'm disapproving of me. I'm approving of me. Just look at it, period. Don't try to change it. Self-observation means watching and observing whatever is going on in you and around you, as if it were happening to someone else. Think about how you would describe yourself. For example, a businessman, a human being, a Catholic, a Jew, anything. You may think of yourself as fruitful and searching, a pilgrim, competent, alive, impatient, centered, flexible, a lover, member of the human race, overly structured. Notice how it's I observing me. It's an interesting phenomenon that the I can observe me. It would seem that animals aren't able to do this at all. It would seem that one needs a certain amount of intelligence to, to be able to do this. The great mystics are really referring to the I, not to the me. As a matter of fact, some of these mystics tell us that we begin first with things, with an awareness of things, then we move on to an awareness of thoughts, that's the me. And finally, we get to the awareness of the thinker. Things, thoughts, thinker. What we're really searching for is the thinker. Can the thinker know himself? Can I know what I is? Can the knife cut itself? Can the I see itself? Am I my thoughts? The thoughts that I am thinking? No. Thoughts come and go. I'm not my thoughts. Am I my body? The cells in our body are changed or renewed every minute. So that they say that after seven years, there's not one single cell left in our body that was there seven years ago. Cells come and go, but I seems to persist. So am I my body? Evidently not. I is something other and more than body. You might say the body is part of I, but it is a changing part. It keeps moving. It keeps changing. We have the same name for it, but it constantly changes, just as we have the same name for a river. But the river is constantly changing. We use the same name for ever-changing reality. Is I my name? No, because I can change my name without changing the I. How about my career? How about my beliefs? When I change my beliefs, has the I changed? 
Do I have a new I or is it the same I that has changed? In other words, is my name an essential part of me, of the I? Is my religion an essential part of the I? We spend so much of our lives reacting to labels, our own and others. We identify with the labels, with the I. What value do these labels have as far as the I is concerned? Could we say that I is none of the labels we attach to it? Labels belong to me. What constantly changes is me. Does I ever change? Does the observer ever change? The fact is that no matter what labels you think of, you can apply them to me. The I is none of these things. So when you step out of yourself and observe me, you no longer identify with me. Suffering exists in me, so when you identify I with me, suffering begins. When I does not identify with money or name or nationality or persons or friends or inequality, the I is never threatened. It can be very active, but it isn't threatened. Think of anything that caused or causing you pain or worry or anxiety. First, can you pick up the desire under that suffering? That there's something you desire or else you wouldn't be suffering. What is that desire? Second, it isn't simply a desire that's an identification there. You have somehow said to yourself, the well-being of I, the existence of I, is tied up with this desire. All suffering is caused by my identifying myself with something, whether that something is within me or outside of me. There's no me, there's only I. I am. Thank you.